You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Check, check. Welcome back, all you fantastic people out there. This is Omar, aka the Podfather, aka the Pothead Pastor. And we are bringing you a new segment, scratch that, a new episode of Open Mic on the Fade to Gray Network. And in today's episode, I got to sit down and talk with Matt McDonald from the Classic Crime and also from the Vocal Few. He's working on a new album. He's going to tell us about that process, as well as his opinions on worship music, living off the grid, and how to possibly live your best life living in the moment. So here we go. So we are here today with Matt McDonald of Classic Crime and Vocal Few. It is an honor to have you here today, man. Um, what are you doing? What have you been up to? I'm in, uh, well, you can see I've got boxes in my studio here. Um, I've got a bunch of merch I've got to sort through. I'm making a record in the middle of that. So I'm, I've just been uh, all day working on vocals, editing, tuning, tweaking, comping, stuff like that. So this is a break from, from that, which is sometimes uh, mind-numbingly boring so so you're working on a new album um yeah is this going to be a classic crime album yeah. uh oh very exciting for all the classic crime fans out there do you have <laughs> a date is there a date that you're shooting for to release this uh no well there's a loose date I, i'm thinking first quarter 2020 but i have to i thought i was going to have it done by now and it's just taking forever so i'm hoping that i can get it done and mixed in december and then maybe have uh, you know, within the next couple months, cause I got to get, um, vinyl pressed to fulfill it for our Kickstarter backers. So it's, it's usually takes like eight weeks for that to come through. So I think in February, probably maybe around Valentine's day or something. Oh, awesome. Awesome. It's be like a good Valentine's day present for everybody then for your loved ones. <laughs> yeah. We'll compete with all the other major corporations to, for people's money on Valentine's day. There you go. A bad idea, but <laughs> just kind of print your albums, you know, like a big Valentine's Day card. There you go. Boom. From me to you with love. Put those little uh, sweethearts in there. Exactly. Exactly. With like little, or each album could have its own like little like saying on it, kind of like the sweethearts. Hey, oh, yeah. there you go. Only sell out to the uh, Hallmark holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is capitalism. We are in America. That's true. Can't escape it. So cool. So is it going to be like kind of the same vibe? Is there like something new that uh, uh, your listeners should look for? Yeah. Every time I do a record for the classic crime, it sort of consumes my life and I try to make it different and have a theme and have a production umbrella that kind of ties everything together. Uh, I, I sometimes I'll, when I start writing it, I'll, I'll take some tools off the table or I'll add some new tools. I'll try to figure out a way to kind of shake things up and make it different. And I think at this point, people who are with us sort of expect that from us. So it's now it's hard because I'm like, okay, how, how, how can I really make this different and still be the classic crime? And I guess um, that's my challenge every time. So this time, uh, a couple of things we did differently. Um, 
I, uh, I went into the studio, um, and did mostly everything without editing. Um, I'm on vocals right now and I'm making sure that those sound good because that's really important to me. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing some editing, but, uh, but when it comes to like the drums and stuff, they're just loosely comped. Um, and so it's kind of got a vibe to that, you know, um, a lot of it is, uh, pretty natural sounding. So that's a different kind of direction for us. A lot of our, our, our records have been really slick as far as like production goes, um, you know, heavily edited so that all the drums are like just lined up perfectly to the grid. Um, and this is, this is a little bit more loose, a little bit more feely. And I'm trying to look at the waveforms less and just listen. And if, if I hear it and it sounds good, I want to leave it. Um, and I'm getting better at that. So that's something a little different, I guess, as far as the production goes. That sounds like fun. That's definitely interesting. It seems a lot more like raw feel like more, maybe more kind of capturing more emotion. It's not just like yeah. the studio sound maybe. Yeah. Trying, trying to, trying to figure out a way to, to make a different record. I don't, I never want to make the same record twice. And, um, yeah, so I've, you know, I've done it a bunch of different ways with different people with myself. Um, and so every time I'm trying to like branch out and kind of push off a little bit and see if I can find something in the, in the unknown that I don't know yet that might inspire it and inform it and make it better. So, um, that's a struggle right now. And for those who may not be familiar with classic crime, um, let's get into, you know, a little bit about that band and that project. This is album number what for you? Uh, it's our sixth full length album. Uh, but we've put out uh, a couple EPs and, um, we did like a 10 year anniversary acoustic album, uh, with 14 songs on it a couple years back. So, I mean, we've, we've put out a chunk since 2006, five. Um, and we, you know, we started this band, I was 19 when I joined it. So, um, and that's like a, a different challenge in and of itself because being 19, you, you have a certain musical taste and then you're like, yeah, I'm into this. So now I'm going to write songs in this vibe and then and then suddenly you know your band gets signed and you're on the road and that's your brand you know but you don't stay 19 you turn 25 you turn 30 you turn 35 and to some extent you're still you're still tied to the things that you liked when you were 19 because those songs you still have to play live and you still have to appease people who fell in love with those songs so um so yeah. So it's, it's different than just like if I started a band tomorrow, it would sound probably a lot different than the classic crime, <laughs> you know, I'd imagine, I mean, at 19, wow, that's young and you've gone through a lot. Um, that's pre marriage, pre kids. I mean, yeah. pre, pre deconstruction, if that's such a overused word nowadays, right. but, and, but I know that when you first started out, classic crime would be considered a Christian band. No, never. I mean, we never said that. Um, uh, but we did sign to Tooth and Nail Records, and they assured us from the get-go that we weren't going to be marketed as a Christian band, that we were going to be their crossover band, their radio band, or whatever. Um, and they were trying to push for that. And our management um, was very adamant about that. And then our first record came out, and when we looked in iTunes under the um, genre, it said Christian and Gospel. <laughs> And so we were obviously super pissed, but there was nothing we could do at that point. It was like, okay, every band on tooth and nail is a Christian and gospel genre. 
Um, I, I guess. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of pigeonholed us a little bit. And obviously they sold our, our stuff and, you know, we didn't cuss on our records or whatever. So you could sell it in the Christian bookstores and, um, up until wonder or something, correct? Like, uh, actually, you know, we got, we got booted off the shelves probably 10 years ago on an album. Um, I think they didn't like to say uh, the saying hurts like hell, which is, was in a course and uh whore was in a song um both words are actually in the bible which <laughs> is is selling off those shelves actually if they're even in business anymore i, f- I found that uh, that to be ironic that um those words couldn't be used and sold at the christian bookstore but the bible where both those words are in yeah that's a, that's a whole sticky conversation you start to get into like the christian music industry and like if you say jesus enough times in, in the right way then all of a sudden it's apparently a christian song so it has to be the right way for sure uh, <laughs> can't do it in the wrong way uh but yeah no i don't oh, know kanye did okay right <laughs> yeah, exactly. the times they are changing uh yeah so we kind of got pigeonholed into that label a little bit we always fought it but there's only so much you can do you know um and then you know some some festivals are like hey we want to pay you a bunch of money and you know we're sleeping in walmart parking lots um making a hundred bucks a night, which was, you know, in 2006, the gas prices were crazy. We barely could fill our tank up to get to the next town. And then a festival's like, Hey, yeah, we'll pay you a few thousand dollars to play this show. And of course we're like, okay. And so then we, you know, and then we're getting on, you know, Christian radio and stuff like that. And it was all just tooth and nail related stuff. Um, but yeah, so we never, we never really embraced that as much um but at the same time it's funny because people think people think that you sell out to the mainstream but the reality is is that the mainstream is so competitive and there's just no there's no money in it that the only way to sell out to get paid is to sell out to the christian uh music industry and that's very interesting that's where the money is that's where all the big worship hits are that's where the big that's where radio still stands tall and you can you can go big on radio that's where big massive mega churches will book you that's where big festivals still are you know all over the country while every festival shutting down while the youth group christian festival circuit still still doing well you know because they get donors um so that's where the money really is and you know we kind of felt like we were (laughs) You know, we were doing what was best for us to take some of that money. But in hindsight, I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> you rode the wave for a little bit. I mean, and it got your music out there to listeners that maybe not would not have heard that otherwise. I mean, maybe yeah. not maybe not the genre or not the genre, maybe not the audience you're looking for. Yeah. But it was an audience nonetheless. And they grew yeah. up with you. We did a warp tour and and you know, we toured the country with like Mest and Alistair and Scary Kids and uh, you know, we did, we did a lot of stuff just outside of that market and really, really tried to hard, but it's hard when, when your first record comes out and it's filed under Christian and gospel, um, <laughs> you know, without any, uh, like you, you have no say in it. It's hard to get out from under that. And, you know, guys in our band are Christian people, you know, not all of them and actually maybe half. <laughs> so, uh, or were at least. Uh, so there was that, like, you know, they kind of, I didn't really grow up with Christian music. Like I'd heard MXPX, but the other guys in the band were like into 
you know, they, they knew that scene, you know, they were like into jars of clay and <laughs> well, I mean, their jars of clay crossed over. They had a big radio hit. So if you knew them, like I knew them, but I didn't know like tooth and nail. I didn't know like the real kind of underground punk Christian stuff that, that we were kind of the finding is, is we were associated with that, but I didn't know anything about it really. Well, an interesting story I'll tell you, I'll tell on air. I kind of got into a little bit off air with you. Um, a good friend of mine who was actually best man at his wedding, best man at his wedding out in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking with him before I got on this call. I'm like, yeah, I got to jump. I got to go talk to a, a friend of mine. Are you familiar with, the, with classic crime? I asked him and he's like, oh yeah. I was like, are you familiar with Matt McDonald? He's like, yeah. And he got super excited, kind of fanboy on me and was like, make sure to tell Matt, I think the song's called Wonder. Um, you drop an F-bomb on in the chorus or something like that. Um, <laughs> and he is, so this, just a co- little context here. This guy is a senior pastor at a small church in Shaktulik, Alaska. Okay. And um, I knew him through discipleship school, got got about 10 years ago. Right. And, and um, he actually said some really good stuff. He said he really liked what you did with that song as he considers it a worship song. But he consider he considered how you kind of push the envelope and basically how he looks at it that whole like lunderlust like why they, like how things have lost their lunder their wonder and um, was just crediting you as like that's that was like the perfect way to I guess express that emotion or hmm. a perfect way to kind of like break that box and for him as you know like entrenched in Christianity and to be able to be like to identify with that in such a way to it's like he felt some sort of freedom i guess the way he like worships and like looks at god right to, to use you guys as music um to kind of like open his, his mind wonder who i am becoming a bad person wonder if i can find a good solution All the books that I read Was I too hungry for the truth To find you Wonder why I've lost my wonder Why the ship is going under Wonder why the wonder died in me
I mean, I'm I'm weirded out by the <laughs> worship. Like, what it? What do you mean by worship? Um, do you just mean spiritual, or is it actually like praise? Like, or like you know, like that's to me, it's like so convoluted these terms. And like we we have our terms and our terminology, and we like we like to just say, well, that's this and that's that, or I see this as this, and I see this as that. I just think music is 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 expression of emotion it's kind of to me it's the best well obviously i'm biased but (laughs) it's the best art form for conveying emotion and inciting emotion and so if you want to express yourself you write a song and whatever you're feeling is what you're feeling uh what you call that to me i'm way less interested in and you know he's a pastor right so he's going to see things in in terms of like what's secular what's worship you know and or what's you know sincerely spiritual and what's not i think everything that is sincere that is from the heart i mean to the extent that humans are spiritual people it's spiritual you know what i mean like yeah. i think some of the i think some of the least spiritual music is classified worship music and christian music i think some of the least spiritual least sincere least creative uh most you know corporate incentive (laughs) incentivized music tell us how you really feel matt is that and i think some of the best music is the most gut-wrenching uh you know like trent reznor nine inch nails like totally anti-god but still singing about god or 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 bright eyes uh he's you know uh connor ober's lyrics come come up to me always talking about something honest the metaphysical reality of what does this all mean Hmm. i don't know and it's and it's so painful this existential angst of not knowing and if there is a god i hate the god that was taught to me so i don't believe in that bullshit that to me is is more spiritual than anything you could hear on Christian radio because it's, it's from the soul. It's, it's this, you're dealing on with, with transcendental terms, you know, you're not dealing with just like, Oh, here's a catchphrase. Um, here's a slogan, a cheap slogan that I can spout or attach to it. It's honest and it's real and it's not formulaic. It's not, um, you know, say these you know, like sing these three bars and then say Jesus and, and lift your hands. Poetry so. is more than rhyming. And, and, and so, yeah. So like, yeah, if, if someone says 
they, uh, they <laughs> that's why I'll qualify this. That's all to say that when someone says they think that's that my music is a worship song, I cringe. <laughs> when I think of worship, I think of the worst genre ever created for music. And I don't want to be associated with it at all. But, uh, but, but I know that that person is meaning it in a positive way. And so and you, I, you asked a question earlier too, of what is worship? And I think the way I would classify that statement would be worship's a state of mind. And so like somebody could be worshiping by listening to your music, you know, in that state of mind, like worship could like, does, like you said, the art form, it could be like, it's one of those things like you're doing holy like you're putting your whole self into it. To me, that that's what worship is. Whether or not you're worshiping a deity or you're like, it's that art form. So like cooking can be a form of worship. Any, anything that you're doing as art that's creating that you're like, you're, you're putting yourself into, I think could be a form of worship. I don't know. That's it my opinion. Like more focus like, or flow state or something. I mean, I don't think what, what Christians are saying when they meet, when they say worship to me, they're saying this unilateral um, acknowledgement and submission to uh, a being that they see a certain way, um, almost made in their own image. <laughs> and, you know, if I can be blunt. Um, and then just, just basically, I, it's, it's more idol worship to me, right? Um, I like the idea of because I don't even like the term worship. I think it always brings to mind idol worship. Like we make idols in our own image of whatever, whatever deity you think about or whatever. Um, but the reality is, is that like our, our actions dictate what we actually worship. You know, I, you know, if I think about how am I going to pay the bills, I'm worshiping money, you know? Like that's my, like the, uh, be, to be of service to. So to me, worship, yeah, is, I agree. Wor- wor- worship isn't like a frame of mind. It's more, what do you serve? And, and, and oftentimes you're creating or culture creates what you serve. Um, but like just in the, in the evangelical Christian sense, it, it often means um, what do I subscribe to with propositional truth claims and, Meanwhile, I serve myself, my family above everybody else. I serve my retirement, my vacation, my bank account. Um, I, I really serve myself ultimately. And so, but God in their mind wants to serve them. So God is sort of in their image of self-service. <laughs> so, so I think for me, worship is, is a bad, it's a bad word these days. Like, it doesn't mean what they think it means and it's been tarnished in a lot of ways. And if you're talking about awareness and openness, I think those are better terms. Cause like, yes, you can be cutting carrots and making a stew and be fully aware of the present moment and the gift that it is. And that will give you humility and peace. And that to me, uh, isn't this, uh, it's not uh, the current definition of worship doesn't describe that to me. But you see where I get the state of mind out of, out of that right. too. Cause it's kind of like you could be doing those actions, but it's like, what is your focus? Where is that? Like, what is, I don't want to say channeling. What are you, where is your energy going? 
Because, like, it's not just the actions. The actions are important. You know, like, you're creating art. You're, you're creating something beautiful. Right. Um, whether whether or not you're doing that for yourself or to some invisible deity that may or not exist. Blah, 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 blah. But I think, like, really, it's what is your focus? Where's your mind at, I think, while you're doing these activities or these motions? All right. Think, like, and to me, openness and awareness or awareness starts with understanding what your mind is doing being aware of it really so some self-awareness yeah yeah it's watching thoughts and so when you're in the moment i think okay, the Joyce best, Meyer. <laughs> yeah the best way to uh the best way to show gratitude i, I don't want to use the term worship but if worship really is gratitude to the source of your life is to be aware of the moment is to be aware that you are number one alive, that you are taking breaths, that your heart is beating, that you're here right now. Your brain's not thinking about, it's not anxiously thinking about what's coming down the pike or regretfully thinking about what happened. It's right now, right? And so I think awareness is a great way to think about it because you can enter a state of awareness no matter what you're doing. And it mm -hmm. only, and, and awareness always brings gratitude because you're not worrying anymore and you're not, you know, you're not filled with regret. You can appreciate the moment in the spot that you're in. Right. That's the moment. It's all being, about being present. Yes. And I'm thinking about this a lot. Obviously I, so I rant and rave and I, I often say things I don't, I wish I could take back, but that's how I, I process. I verbally process and I process through music. I, you know, I write songs and stuff like that, but this topic of the moment, being the only thing that we have, it like permeates this new record. I wrote, I wrote a bunch of songs about time, the passage of time and the moment that, that is the only place that you can, uh, that you can really feel peace that if, like, and really where your awareness is and where your focus is, it's everything, right? It's like, it does not, it does not matter if you have a billion dollars if you're constantly worried about what's coming down the pike, you're going to be completely depressed. Um, so it's like, it's the only thing that really changes your perspective on life is what is what's happening in the moment and your awareness of the moment. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. So that, that's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. Um, it's got me thinking about conversations I've had recently Dave Warnock, it was a guest uh, we had back d during our, what do we call that, a post-deconstruction series. Um, this guy was a four-square pastor, no longer a pastor, got diagnosed with ALS, um, doing this farewell tour, um, going around doing podcasts, speaking events, you know, just answering the question. He's very aware that he has like a couple years left of his life. Oh, okay. Um and, and yeah, so like death is a reality for him. And so he's just basically season carpe the fucking DM is his saying. Right. And it's all about living in that moment and being aware of moments because less all we have in life. When we think back in our memories, they're just a series of moments. Right. And, and if we can be aware or try to create more moments in our, in our life, that's, that's really all the thing that right. we can have. And so what you're saying, it just kind of like, permeates even deeper because uh, it's on different layers. And I think you're onto something really true. And I'm really excited to hear um, what you're producing or what you're creating. Thanks. I'm excited to finish it. I, I don't know what if, if it's going to be good, but uh, this, is how, <laughs> this is how I process 
all all this stuff. I and having kids, I feel like, really makes you aware of the moment slipping away because their life happens so quick in front of your eyes, and like just from like baby to like toddler to like kid that happens in a span of like five years, four years sometimes, you know, like, and, and, uh, and when I think about all the times where I was too busy for that little toddler, like I was thinking about, I got to do something, you know, like I could take, I could, I could take five minutes, you know, like what's what I could take the moment to spend that time because if I don't, it's gone forever with that human that human's changing so fast that it's no, I I no longer have the opportunity to commune with that human. And, you know, as, as you know, like science tells us your, your whole body gets recycled every seven years. (laughs) So like literally you aren't the person you were seven years ago. Like every cell is replaced. Um, And we have this idea of like a soul that carries on. And I think it's true to some, some extent, like, you know, when you have a kid, you kind of are, are constantly learning more and more about who they've always been really. Um, but they're just expressing themselves in more and more ways. But like when my daughters were infants, like I can see it. I mean, maybe this just like bias or whatever, but I can see a thread from like their personality as an infant to, to when they were a toddler to now when they're, you know, in first grade or whatever, second grade, um, they're the same person to some extent, but there are these moments that, you can't ever get back, um, you know, when they talked a certain way or when they walked a certain way or, or when they were interested in you in a certain way and you, you lose that. And so much of our life, and I think our culture is sick in a lot of ways. Um, and that's been bugging me a lot too, how everything is so like grind, hustle, DIY, don't sleep, sleep when you're dead, you know, always on the grind, always working no one's aware that they're all going to die and all of their bullshit digital marketing will have got them nothing. Like they won't remember it. No one will remember them for it and it won't, it will be worthless. (laughs) And I feel like we all get caught up in that. We see the Instagram ads and the, and the people who are doing cool stuff. And there's always somebody who's like doing cooler stuff than you. And you're like, Oh man, I want to be like that. I better grind. But the reality is like, if you exit from that whole rat race, um, your life slows down. And I did this, you know, last year or a year and a half ago, I was in Nova Scotia for a year. I didn't have to work cause it was, um, it was in my aunt's, my aunt owns my grandparents, uh, house. And, uh, they speaking both- of people doing cooler stuff than you keep going. Well, I, it was, it was an opportunity because, because, uh, the kids weren't really enrolled in school. Um, and we're, we're like, well, this is it. If we're going to do something cool, she's like, come live in the house. And, uh, and we thought, okay, we'll go for one year. She wanted us to live there, you know, indefinitely. We'll go for one year because, you know, we don't have to go to a job and, you know, there's perks to that and you should take advantage of those perks. Um, if you're self-employed because there's not a lot of perks for being self-employed. So, uh, so we went there for a year and we didn't, I didn't, I kind of made a, 
we were spinning our wheels the whole way there, but I kind of made a commitment not to work for like a couple months when I got there because, um, my aunt owns the house. All right. We didn't have to pay rent, you know, bills were way low. I could actually take a break. We'd just gotten off a tour. So we were fine financially. Um, and it was amazing how time slowed down and how I would go on these walks and I was just aware of everything. I started to become aware of birds and I wanted to know the names of birds or trees. I wanted to know the names of trees. I wanted to know things about the outside. I wanted to know what that smell was on the air when I was walking up the hill to see the sunrise. I was aware and, and I would go back from these, I did these sunrise walks and I would write down like a whole page of what I saw. So I had to be very aware of what was happening on the walk because I couldn't record as I was going. I didn't take my phone with me. I had to be aware and just be documenting it. And then I would get back and have to write this thing down. That changed my life. Like it, and then now I'm back in the U S I bought a house. I have this mortgage and I'm just spinning my wheels again. I'm like, what am I doing? Like there's something wrong about this to some people. I'm living the dream to me in some way. Some part of me is like, I'm living the dream, but I hate it. Like it's, it's so much work. And for what? Like, it's just, I wake up and years have gone by. That's what it feels like. I wait, I like the same, it's the same thing every day. I'm not paying attention. You know, it's like podcasts, you know, Netflix, distraction, schedule. Oh, we're going to do dinner. We got to book it two, two weeks out. No one's available. No one hangs deep. Everything's just, everyone's just floating through, you know? And I feel like, like, there's something wrong with our culture and I don't know what it is. And I, I, like, I don't know how to fix it. Uh, I figured I could live the way I wanted to live within it, but I feel like I can't, like I can't own a house without busting my ass every day and then worrying so much about the bills that I have to turn my brain off um, with like entertainment and Netflix at night and stuff. <laughs> like when I was in Nova Scotia, I read 16 books. Like I was into books. I was like, I can t- I'm going to take the slow way. You know, uh, I swear it was, it was, it was amazing. It was like going back into time before, before our culture got like spun out of control. It was so good. Would you say you miss it? Oh yeah. I mean, I miss like, I don't know if I want to live there with my kids or whatever. Um, but I miss the lifestyle and I don't, I can't quite put my finger on how to have that lifestyle. I mean, out, like you just got to move out to the country. So your bills are low and, you know, live off the land. I don't know what, I don't know how to do it. So since we're talking about this, let's get into it. So my dream, my plan um, is to get myself an RV before my kids get too old. So my oldest right now is 10 years old. My youngest is four and we are, doing better than a lot of people our age with debt, but still have a significant amount of debt. I'm trying to get to a point where I can get that paid off to free up, to be able to afford a cheap RV and hit the road with, with my family. Right. You know, we right. homeschool, we homeschool. And so it's not going to be a problem like logistically, as far as getting, pulling them out of classes and this and the other, but it's all about the experience. And um, my oldest two, my oldest three kids were all born in Alaska, but my oldest two can remember it. And we did some RVing and stuff up there. And they just think it's the coolest type of lifestyle. 
And I'm starting to really agree. Like, what's the point in having to have so much established? What's the point in having to have like land in your name and uh, a house and all these different things that you can say is mine and me and I did this. And like part of me being 38 years old feels like a failure for not accomplishing that stuff in my 20s. Sure, me too. But now I've kind of gotten over all that. I'm like, well, what's the most important? Like you said, it's these moments. Right. And it's these moments that, when they're young because they're not going to be that way anymore. They're going to be teenagers who want nothing to do with their father eventually. You know, like right. right now it's like they still run to me when I come home from work. And it's like, why not like seize these opportunities? Because what I'm doing with electrical or podcasting or even food service can be done anywhere. You know, sure. you know, and so it's just one of those things and probably for better money than in the country in Western Pennsylvania. Sure. And so it's just one of those things that really, and there's so much to experience like this, uh, this country has to offer friends, family, um, from like one coast to the other. And I think yeah. that's really, like you said, those are the memories that I want to create for my children and, and to give to them so they, they can grow up, you know, like wanting to like maybe pass that down onto the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good dream. I mean, we I've been, we've been living. Christy and I have been living that dream. My daughter's turning eight, my oldest, for eight years. Uh, like we just did not like the conventional. We were also married for like seven years before we had kids. We were always trying to like do it different. How'd you do that? <laughs> you know, just expert uh, <laughs> planning. Yeah. Expert planning. Uh, no, I mean, we just, we, we didn't want to. And so we didn't. Um, but, uh, no, it's not very Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she never got pregnant, uh, <laughs> until we tried. So, uh, but yeah, no, we, we, uh, we never really wanted to follow like a conventional lifestyle. We wanted to be, be together, establish a relationship, travel. You know, I was on the road, she would come out. Um, then she got a job and, um, and then when we finally had kids, it was like, oh no, I have to get a job. So I started doing like the real estate courses and like trying to, oh, I guess I'll be a real estate agent. Like the music doesn't pay any money cause it hadn't. And then we were, we went, we became independent and I started doing Kickstarters and we did vocal few and we started touring in the summer and doing stuff our own, you know, doing living room shows and, I started, I learned a bunch from doing Kickstarters and self-releasing. And so I started doing that for other bands. And so I basically built a career out of having kids and it, it forced me into like all these other avenues just out of necessity, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention or whatever is as the saying goes. So that, that start like, and we've been doing that for eight years. We've been traveling, we've been living all over. We've done like multiple full country tours, you know, six to eight weeks. We went across Canada you know, um, we've done all this. And then after seven years of that, finally moved eight years of that, finally moved back, um, had saved for a year basically, and was able to have a down payment on a house. <laughs> so I'm doing it the opposite way you are. Uh, and, uh, and now of course I've got a mountain of debt, which is called a mortgage <laughs> and I've got to pay, you know, pay it off. I keep calling it rent because we rented. <laughs> He's like, it's not rent. I was like, yes, it is. It's rent to own. Like, I don't own this. They own it. They could take it away if I don't pay them. Um, but yeah, our, we don't homeschool and we never will. So that's, uh, we've both talked about it and Christy's like, nope, those kids can leave for half the day. I'm busy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, 
but uh, but my main thing was like I moved a few times and moved around in schools a few times, and I did I do see value in like having some consistency. Um, you know, obviously they have consistency with us, but like with friendships, um, you know, from you know I I would I would love for them at least to get you know through fifth grade and graduate elementary school with some of the same kids you know, to establish some long-term friendships, um, and understand how relationships kind of ebb and flow and things move on and stuff like that. So it's not always like you're the new kid. Yeah. It makes um, sense. I kind of had that fear like, Oh, we're always moving around. We're always jumping from like lease to lease or whatever. So you were always the new kid then you were used to that. Yeah. A little bit. I, 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 I moved like three, I moved three different schools and then a fourth, fourth school that I was in from sixth grade to high school. And that was, you know, established or whatever. And I felt like that was pretty good. I think depending on your personality, it might shape the way that you are in a negative way. It didn't really for me. Like I was like, I know I was never really invested in, in my high school town. I was like, I'm getting out because I know there's a world that's bigger outside of this bubble. Um, which I think is cool. And I want to have, I want my kids to feel that, you know, cause a lot of people never got out. They, they, st- they stayed there and, you know, it's just a small, it, it's a smaller life, but it's still a good life. Like I'm, I'm aware of small town and the benefits of it. Um, it's a benefit that everyone knows you. It's also a curse. <laughs> so, but anyways, so yeah, so I, I thought, you know, and we still have the RV. I still make payments on it. Um, and we're going to go out in the summers cause the kids don't have school in the summer. So we can take off. Um, so that's all part of it. But, right now I'm like, I sort of feel like I caved to convention. Like I, I have these bills now and all this stress about it. And I feel like if I was on the road in the RV, it wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> Has it been a while since you've been on the road with any of your musical adventures? Like as far as uh, vocal few, I know it was the, I think the most recent thing you just got it done with touring. Um, yeah. So um, January this year, I was out by myself in the RV, which me and James, James Whiteman came with me. Um, Shout out James with the juicy booty. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, it was just me and him cause I was just doing a solo acoustic and songwriting workshops. And so I did it like a three week tour in January and I was back in February. I think it was February maybe of this year. And then in the fall of last year, Christy and I went and did uh, BC Roadshow. And then before that we had done six week tour um, to come back from, in that summer last summer uh to come back from uh nova scotia come back here to the the west coast so that was like last fourth of july i think that's when uh we got to see you in kansas at some point yeah yep we came through do we play at chad's yeah chad's house yep wichita been there a couple times i think now huh to chad's i think so and you've never been to my place no i'm all kinds of salty right now where are you in pennsylvania well, I don't know if we've been, well, did you ever submit to, uh, you probably didn't. I don't, I don't submit very well. You don't submit. <laughs> don't worship. That's, that's, part, that's part of my, that's part of my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, we have like a form you fill out if oh. you post us or whatever. And we always like, we bug people for like a month and then people are always like, after we booked it, they're like, well, oh, you should come to my house. But you know, it's the way things go. We have to plan ahead and you know, are you going to be planning a tour for this new album release then? Classic crime, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. Do, house sh- do you do house shows with that 
at all? Ever? We have done we have done like acoustic house shows. We don't do like fully plugged in stuff, but um, I think we're doing a club tour on the West Coast in the new year. Takes takes like four weeks to do at least to get it get it to the East Coast and back if you're touring, and nobody in the band can take four weeks off of work and family. It just dad life exactly so we've flown out and done a few like two weekers on on the east coast it's just it's you feel like you're a little ad hoc like you're you don't have your stuff you're borrowing stuff and you're like riding with other people and stuff but yeah i don't blame you at all man like i'm trying to get out to the east coast personally that's the the whole the dream beyond the dream i talked about you know doing the rv thing for a while while the kids are still young but that's not gonna be a permanent dream that's like a five-year you know six-year thing and then the idea, hopefully, you know, as we continue to keep doing this whole fade to gray thing or whatever else, like I'd love to get some property or some land someplace out west and just do the townie house thing. Kind of like, and I think that gets kind of into where you're talking about how do you live inside of society without having to like be bended to all of society's rules or the different, uh, what was it? Um, brainwashing that's being told sure. to us each day of like the bills, the repetitive, repetitiveness, yeah. I can't speak the repetitiveness of life. Sure. Um, so that's kind of like my hope, like eventually one day, if I ever hit the lottery or things happen is just right. to have, have enough land where people can come, like stay as long as they want to, you know, have like the whole tiny home thing. So it's not like it takes a lot of materials and right. take a lot of, sp- a lot of space. And there's not a lot of commitment there either, but then but then you can kind of like still slow down and, you know, it's kind of set things at your own pace, but still be involved with the community that's around you and stuff as well. As yeah. And you can struggle to live a little bit, which is what humans have done for millennia. And what we don't really like, we don't have, we don't struggle to live. Like everything's on demand. We don't have to get anything. We don't have to get, we don't have to grow our food. We don't have to like, even like go and purchase entertainment. It's free. You just, you that's why we had to create our own dilemmas. If you got right? because Wi-Fi, exactly. If you've got Wi-Fi, you can just YouTube all day. You never have to think about anything. Um, so and yeah. And then you start a fight with your wife because you're not happy. Because <laughs> all you did is YouTube all day. <laughs> spice of life. Um, yeah, I, I, I know a guy who I was recently doing a song for him and his wife. And he, uh, he bought some land in Oregon um Klamath Klamath County. Uh and you can get apparently if if they don't pay their property taxes on like farmland for three years, the government will just auction it off. And you can get like 40, you can get like 40 or 60 acres for like 15 grand, 10 grand sometimes. Like what? sometimes like several acres for like five grand. It's like starting bid and like nobody wants it. And then you can just buy it. Now you got to go get like permitting to put dwellings on there and stuff like that. But he knows he's in the construction company. So he kind of knows what he can do. <clears throat> and you got to get the septic or whatever. If you're talking tiny homes, I mean, there's land. I mean, that's, well, that's Oregon. That's a good, good place to be. Yeah. You know, um, there's land you can get that you can definitely live on. Um, you might have to have like a compost toilet. You, you know, it might be hard to get running water. You have to dig a well, you know, there's hard work to, to put it together to where you're, it's livable. But, um, for like five, 10 grand, you can pick up a chunk and it could be your, like 
that's everywhere. But no one wants to do that because it's so, so much work and he's doing it. He bought, he bought a huge chunk and he's like going to like, he's done the, he's got the permitting process. He's going in and like, that's his dream. Most of us work that hard anyway, but just for somebody else and all your work's going to some, creating something that isn't yours that you'll never see, never get to really enjoy. And there's so. something about that work that's ingrained in us, I would say at a biological level, at like a cell level, that when you're working to sustain your life and your family, like if you're building something that will benefit them, it feels better. <laughs> like we all work for we all work for a paycheck and so that's how we justify it. Well, the money will come and then it will benefit them. But when you're actually doing like, you know, if you're actually like digging a well or a septic system, there's something about that that I feel like people are like, oh, gross, I don't want to do that. But like if you do it, you feel like, I don't know, it's kind of gendered, but like you feel like a man in the traditional sense, you know, like I'm or, doing- or ownership, you know? Yeah. Like there's, there's a, pr- there's pride there. There's pride. There's a pride, pride and pride in your work and you're physically like sacrificing your body. Something about that. That's meaningful, I think. And then whoever's helping you with that type of stuff, it's all about like building those moments. That's a moment. Like if you have like your kids out there helping you or your friends doing that stuff, yeah, it might, it might be shitty work, Yeah. but, but at the end of the day, you're drinking a beer, you know, you're smoking a joint around the campfire. And then that's a moment that you guys both came through that you're better people. You accomplish something. And it's, it's, yeah, I had some, uh, I had, uh, my brother-in-law and a couple buddies over to, to help me dig out like 90 feet of our septic system, uh, a couple Saturdays ago and replaced all these like clay pipes with a PVC. And it was mm-hmm. cool. It was like, it was great. It was like, I got, you know, got them beers, got them. I was doing sober October, so I didn't drink, but I got them sushi. I got them like, you know, and everyone was happy. And they're like, thanks for getting me out of the house. Like my buddy had like a sick, sick wife and kids at home. And he's like, man, it's been like all week. They've been sick. So thanks for saving me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the best day of my life, you know? And he's in there just like digging out 90 feet of pipe, you know? so. But there was multiple people there, and it made the job easier. It made the job and, easier, and we we're all t- we we're all joking the whole time, yeah. and it's fun, and it was fine, and so that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I part of me wants to like I I do applaud people who want to do that. I think a lot of people have like um, I have a notion about what it's going to be like. Like it's going to be what you see on TV, um, you know, and it's not that it's hard work, you know. Um, like my buddy, Nate, who I, I did don't for the trolls podcast with, I mean, he, he moved out to a farm and like was doing all that work and it was not ideal for him. Like he, he ended up going, yeah, like tried it. I don't, I don't like it. I'm going back to the town, you know? So I think, uh, as long as you're, you know, realistic about how much work it is, especially tiny homes, like you realize if you take a shit, there's no escaping. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people don't, people, people are like, Oh yeah. You know, I I take care of less space, but it's like, there's something nice about having space, some corners to hide in, you know, some bathrooms on a different level of the house. (laughs) When I say building tiny homes, don't get me wrong. I'm building myself, my own tiny home. (laughs) And then my kids will have their own tiny home as well. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm into that idea too. I like, you know, there's nothing actually more freer. And Christy always says this because, you know, we have to maintain a house 
and because that's the standard, you know, and we always got to be working on things and fixing things and cleaning things or whatever. But when we're on the road with our kids in the RV. It's like you're cleaning 10 square feet and that's it. And it's freeing. And you don't have any expectations of like, I got to have dishes or I've got to have all this stuff done. There's expectations that come with a house. Like if you're going to have friends over, it's like, we don't care. We're in an RV. Like, like mowing the fucking yard, dude. That shit's for the birds. <laughs> I actually don't mind it because I get my steps in. I need exercise. But we have like 40 acres and I think about 10 of it is all like mowable. And so 40 acres or on 40 acres. Okay. I don't have so but you don't have a, to you don't have to mow it. No, I think only 10 of the acres is like mowable. Still, still a lot. Still a lot. Yeah. Jeez. That's a lot. Yeah. I've got like, a, you know, I don't know. I've got a quarter of an acre lot, maybe less than that in the city. But, but yeah, it's uh it's uh it's so freeing to be in the RV and to not, and to know that you don't, you only have like your, your, your schedules cut out for you. It's like, you only have one place to be. You, you have a, everything you need to live is with you and there's no worries. There's something like when we drive away from the house, every time we go on a tour and it's like six weeks, eight weeks ahead of us, we have our schedule. We know where we need to be. It's just like a burden lifts. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels good. It's like, wow. Like no matter what happens, even if we blow a tire, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. We'll tell, well, you know, whatever happens, happens that we did blow a tire once and, you know, we got to the show late and it was fine. <laughs> you know, like even the bad stuff is good when you don't have so many different, you know, things spider webbing out that can uh, weigh on your mind. Uh, where are you, where are you doing for work other than the music right now? But right now I'm not doing anything outside of just trying to get this classic crime record done, trying to get a tour booked. Um, you know, working on the art, working on just everything. All the other guys are so busy. They haven't helped me at all. So (laughs) basically all me, which is like super daunting. And I I have a Kickstarter to fulfill. I've started like sending people shirts and stuff to try to get that off my plate. But, um, but anyways, yeah, I'm, it's, it's been done for a year and I've just got to fulfill it at this point and I'm running out of money. So I'm like, I, I should be doing something for money. <laughs> like I'm wasting my life on art right now. <laughs> that is, uh, already, you know, been paid for a long time ago. So, uh, but it's, it's a, it's like a cycle though that you have to be used to by now, you know? Yeah. I'm used to it. I mean, every time it's different, it's like, I, you know, most of the time I have, some help this time i felt like i've had no help um besides like just being able to write with some some friends and stuff which was good i was trying to like invite friends in i'm bad at like inviting people to do things so i was like i had to step outside of myself and like ask people to help me and so i did that a little bit which was good but uh but it's still like you know every day i'm in here you know eight hours a day by myself you know driving myself crazy working on vocals and stuff. So I know it sounds like I'm complaining and I live a charmed life and at least, at least you get to do what you love. That's what everyone says. Right. And, uh, um, sometimes I'm like, if you only knew how much I don't love it, (laughs) (laughs) there's like 5% of it. That's amazing. I'll give you that. But 95% of it is just like to make anything good. It takes so much struggle. And if people knew 
what went into it. I wonder, I wonder if they'd even care, honestly, because music's so like ubiquitous and free and you stream. Would you enjoy it so much though, if it didn't come at such a cost to you? If it came easy, do you think that you would have such a passion for it? The only reason I'm doing it is because it's the hardest thing that I do. Um, it's, it's, it, it, every time it challenges me beyond belief and it's filled with so much, it's just fraught with doubt and imposter syndrome. And I don't even know what I'm doing all the time. And every day it's just like chip away at it, chip away at it. And 60% of the time, I think it's terrible. Why am I doing this? This, this album's terrible, but I know this, I've been through it. When it comes out, people are like, that's great. So I know that I'm, I'm not aware of what it could be. If, and if I keep working on it, I know that it, it, it can be great and it's worthwhile. And, you know, art is important, especially in today's day and age where, where everything's commodified, you know, music is free for the most part and it makes an impact. And so like, if I, if I can do one thing with my life, do I take a bunch of marketing contracts to get people a bunch of money on their campaigns or, is that really what I'm like, am I really contributing that much um, with my life or am I going to make some art? Am I going to make some music, some songs that will stick around or maybe be like an icon for, for, or a touchstone for a person's a specific point in their life or whatever. I mean, that's yeah, music. like my friend when he worships God. Now he listens to classic crime. Exactly. So. Yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to shit on him at all. I mean, I, <laughs> it's okay. He can handle it. I, I, it's a, <laughs> it was a compliment that he was giving. I just, I wanted to jump into something deeper than just um, a compliment. I wanted to see if we can peel back some layers, but um, so yeah, thank you to your friend. I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, no, I just think like um, for me, music, like, there's songs that are just tied to pivotal moments in my life or seasons in my life where I was going through something or love, loss, grief, doubt, all these things. Music is just like these little time capsules. These songs are time capsules for those things. And if I can give that to people, I can enrich their lives in some way. And I know that sounds so like up my own ass, but like I, it's really coming from a place of that's what music's done for me. Yeah. Sounds like an artist. Yeah. I like as a fan, that's what I want to give to other people. Even if it's like time, like the bands that I like are huge and we're not a huge band. And there's like, you know, a few thousand people in the world who care about what we do. If I can keep doing it, um, I think it's worthwhile. So I'm like, that's why I choose to do, do it, even though it sucks often. <laughs> that, that would be, I guess my last question then for you, Matt is what is your goal then for classic crime? Cause you talk about, you know, as long as you can touch, certain people in a certain way it's not the the fame you're looking for um what would be ideal for matt mcdonald in a classic crime yeah that's a just that's a justification i'm gonna contradict myself here the reason i do this is not to help people it's because i need to express myself i'm a broken damaged person who found one way that gets whatever is behind there out. And I would do it if no one was listening, to be honest. Um, now, I don't know if I'd spend as much time on it, making it good for other people to hear, <laughs> but I would still do, I would still write songs, you know, I would have voice memos or something, you know, like that's my outlet. Um, and I do it selfishly to some extent because that's what, but if I do it with a pure sincerity, 
people are people are impacted and 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 do respond to it emotionally and that's a reward and that's a justification for doing it it's like a it's like a circle you know it gets it it's a feedback loop right so i get justified every time we do a kickstarter and people are like yeah i've never heard the album i'll back it like they'll they'll throw money at it without even hearing it like that's crazy. That's pretty awesome. So that speaks a lot to your fan base and just yeah, who you no, are. And people believe, people believe I mean, in you. They're the best, and it's the reason why I have to keep going. Because like, as long as they keep doing that, I can't just say, "Well, sorry," you know, it's stupid. Like, someone's trying to pay for art in 2019. They're trying to pay for art they haven't even heard yet. They're trying to pay like music is free. You can listen to it on YouTube. You can whatever you do. Just Spotify ad membership. You can you don't need to pay for music, but people are doing that. So I have to make it right. Like that's, that's a justification. But in reality, I'm mostly motivated by my own, uh, inner, uh, angst (laughs) and a need to express it. So, (laughs) so as long, as long as you can keep making music, you think you'll be happy. You're not, if classic crime never gets any bigger than it is now, or if it, I guess that's the kind of the question, like, so what happens if you do make it, if classic, quote, I'm having air quotes right now, if you can't see, if classic yeah. crime does make it, gets like recognized and being played mainstream. Now you have to get signed. Now you have to like make X number of records per year and have to, I'm not trying to do that. So, so what's the, what's the goal then? Where's I mean, the, I've been signed and I've been on the road, you know, 10 months out of the year. And I, I've looked over that cliff and I've seen the bands that have gone beyond and I don't want their life. Um, I don't want it at all. I mean, my, I don't have goals as far as like success goals. My goal is to make, just to make the best music I can and be aware of what's going on in the world around me and my relationships in my life and try to express that. And if I can keep doing that at the end of my life, I don't think happy is a good word, but like meaningful is maybe a better word. Like it's a struggle to do this. It's a struggle financially. It's not like <laughs> it's, it's your time. It's your energy. It's like if people you have to work. It's work. You got to work at it. And there's it's so risky. You're not guaranteed to ever succeed. doesn't matter how many great songs you've written. You're only as good as your last record, you know, like, it's like trying to win the Super Bowl every year. Unless you die, and then then it doesn't matter. Then all your stuff goes gold. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I doubt it, though. <laughs> I'll, do a goal, I'll go fund me for my family or something. But but yeah, the whole po- the whole point is just to just to do like when I look around at what people are doing with their time, the ones that I really admire are the ones that are doing the hard thing that will last beyond. Um, you know, their, their, their short-term goals, you know, so. Awesome, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Why don't you let the listeners know how they can follow you and your band on social media? Um, yeah, it's just vocal few and vocalfew.com or classic, the classic crime.com, the classic crime.com. And there's all the links there. If, you know, if anyone's interested in following along.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.